Some of the most successful people are very strong-willed, and I was one of them. I pretty much felt like I had that God box checked, so I basically did what I wanted to do, and I had made a conscious decision that I could do a better job than God. I had a young son at the time. I was alone. I started drinking heavily. My big house became my tomb, and I had drifted far away from God. During this time that my family was completely fragmented, I happened to notice that my son, that he had joined Limitless. He had a peace and a joy, and he was actually handling the divorce better than both his parents. Obviously, the God that I knew was, was taught to me. I had not experienced him. I met a group of godly women at a Bible study. They strongly suggested that I go to a faith-based restoration center for women. I was laying in bed one night, and I started to worry. Where am I gonna go from here? What am I gonna do? I heard his voice with the utmost clarity. Dale, if nothing else happens, am I enough? When I answered yes, that place in my heart that I was giving to my job, my title, even my family, that Jesus wanted that place in my heart, is it doesn't matter what your affliction is, the solution's the same. I was seeking to see what Jesus wanted to do with my life, which is to minister to people who are afflicted and hurting, to heal relationships, to heal hearts, to help people learn that their lowest point in life is not the end, but it's the beginning of a new life in Christ. Wow, can we just celebrate Jesus' goodness? Amen. What a powerful story. Hey, and while you're at it, why don't you take a minute to celebrate one another. Let's give a big hand clap for everybody who's joining us here at the Little Creek Campus, all of our locations and online. I'm so glad to be with you. I'm so excited to be with you this weekend. My name is David. I'm one of the pastors here at Church of the King, and uh, I am welcoming you to the second week of our Comeback series, Stories series. Uh, pastor Steve kicked it off last weekend uh, with a powerful message on the story of Jonah. I'm sure you guys enjoyed that, but I think most people can, re can uh, really identify with the Comeback Stories and enjoy them because most of us uh, have experienced what it means to need another chance. You know what I'm saying? How many of you guys have, are thankful we serve a God of another chance? Amen. Not just a second chance, but another one. And so, uh, yeah, so glad to be with you. And I, and I think that um, for me, I personally have had to have several comeback stories or chances uh, along my life. And I, and I think that uh, it may come as a shock to some of you that I wasn't always a Christian. I know. Surprise. And, uh, and in fact, I was a teenager when I first realized that I was really good at being bad. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like it just was natural. It came. Na I, I remember I was. It, it occurred to me because I heard a guy uh, sharing his testimony one time, and he said in his testimony, he said, 
Before I knew Christ, I struggled with sin. And I said, I thought to myself, I was about 14 or 15, I thought, struggled? He must be doing it wrong. <laughs> There's no struggle. I mean, it just comes out of me. It's who I am. But, uh, but, and, I, and I lived like that. I was a wild kid. I was wound up. I was just, I ran the streets partying and stuff. And, and, uh, and, and the worst part of it is I knew better. I was, I was raised in a great Christian home. My parents loved God. They loved us. And, and uh, I was just lo- looking for something uh, in, in, in all of that. Uh, to try to to try to be happy, to try to kind of discover myself, and mostly just to sow my wild oats. But I think that's probably why I can relate uh, so much to this char- the, one of the main characters in this weekend's comeback story. And uh, today I'm going to share with you from my favorite of all of Jesus's parables, and that is the story of the prodigal son. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about this story, unpack it with you. And for some of you, you may not have had the kind of past that I have. Uh, you may be, uh, maybe you grew up and, and you really never had that season of, of, you know, wildness, crazy rebellion and stuff. And, and so it may, it may have been difficult for you to identify with this story. But I, I believe that if you'll just hang in there with me for the next few minutes, that as we unpack the different characters and the different facets of this story, uh, you're going to discover a comeback story of your own in the story of the prodigal son. So let's, let's turn to the scripture. We're going to jump right in uh, today because it's a long passage. And the story is found in Luke uh, chapter 15, beginning in verse 11. We're going to read the whole thing, and then I'm going to come back. I'm going to unpack a few thoughts for you uh, as, we, as we discover the prodigal son in our comeback story series. Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 11. This is Jesus speaking. He's telling the story, and this is what he said. A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them, and not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Just use your imagination. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country, that he sent, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, but no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, that's very important, we're going to come back to that. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread and I'm dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and I'll say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he felt compassion for him and he ran and embraced him and he kissed him. And the, father, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and he's been found. And they began to celebrate. Now the older son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began to inquire what these things could be. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and he wasn't willing to go in. And the father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, 
For so many years I've been serving you and have never neglected a command of yours. And yet you've never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured, devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you've always been with me and all that is mine is yours. We had to celebrate and rejoice. For this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. He was lost and has been found. You know, on the surface, this story seems, the the problem really seems obvious. It, It really just seems like this ungrateful young man needs to get his act together. But I think there's a lot more to this. And so uh, I want to share with you three truths from this powerful story that I think will help you uh, as as you process through life and and experience not only a comeback for yourself, but for those around you. And here's the first thought I want to share with you. And that is prodigals come in all shapes and sizes. Prodigals come in all shapes and sizes. Now, uh, for the younger son, the problem seemed pretty obvious. I mean, this was just kind of a story about a rowdy kid who needed to get his act together. He was young, irresponsible, foolish. He just thought life should be one party after another. And he just did everything he could think of. He took the wealth that he inherited from his father and he spent it just trying to make himself happy, doing whatever he thought would make him happy. You ever known anybody like that? Does that sound familiar? Please resist the temptation of elbowing the person next to you. We want to stay, we stay encouraging. But I think, to, but I think to, to really understand what's going on in this story, we have to understand from the perspective of this younger son really what was going on much deeper uh, in this story. The fact is, is that in Jewish culture, in the culture that he grew up in, this young man, uh, because he was the younger son, he would have been viewed as only half of his eldest brother. He would only receive one half of the inheritance that his brother would receive. He would only receive half the blessing, half the attention, half the affirmation. And in fact, his job really was just to assist. And there was no significant role for him in the family. He probably even perceived that his father withheld love and affirmation and attention because he had so little value in their family. And so he went off on his own just trying to find a place uh, of, of, of fulfillment, of acceptance, of affirmation for himself in, in, in pleasure and in self-gratification to try to make some sort of meaning and purpose uh, and, and value out of the life that, that he, he had. You see, it's much different when you understand really what he was thinking and how he was experiencing his life than it was on the surface. And so I think at the end of the day, really what he wanted was just to be happy. Maybe you felt like that. Maybe you know someone like that. I know I wasn't a younger son, but in my own life, I often felt a a vacuum or an emptiness of of acceptance and love and affirmation, even though I was in a great home. And so instead of of just hanging out there, I I went off and I did things that that I thought would make me happy. I was determined to find significance and meaning in self-indulgence and in pleasure. And for this younger son and for many of us, we give way to rebellion because we really don't understand how God sees us. But we're going to talk about that a little bit more later. I want to talk about the older son just for a moment. 
The, the older son's story is a little more complicated. And the beginning of the story doesn't give us a lot of detail. But at the end of the story, uh, the, in his exchange with the father and in his reaction to the return of the prodigal, we find a little bit more in detail what's going on with, the, with this older brother. I want to dive in there and just read this passage again, uh, beginning in verse 25. Look, Check out his response to the prodigal's return. In verse 25, it says, Now the older brother was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began to inquire what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he's received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and wasn't willing to go in, and his father came out and began to plead with him. And he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I've been serving you, and I've never neglected a command of yours. And yet you never have given me so much as a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, came home, you killed the fatted calf for him. Wow. Can you say passive aggressive? <laughs> where's all this coming from? Where, where's this anger and frustration and just pent-up aggression coming from, from this older brother from the eldest son. It's obvious that he was his father's favorite, that he had spent his whole life, as he expressed to his dad, doing nothing but dutifully and faithfully fulfilling all that was asked of him. He was committed religiously to the tasks that were set before him as the oldest son with that sense of responsibility. But it's, it's, it's apparent in this exchange with the dad that despite all of his doing, he never really had a healthy relationship with his dad. He was longing for the affirmation of a father. He was longing for the love and acceptance of his father that he could not receive just through good works. You see, where the younger son, in his need for love and relationship, turned to rebellion, the older son, in his need for the exact same thing, had turned to religion. Because religion is just anything that we do to try to earn God's love in our own strength. And that's where this older brother was. And, and it's amazing to me, while on the outside things looked so different, that on the inside things were really the same. While on the outside the older brother seemed put together, and it seemed, it seemed like he really had himself together on the inside, he was really longing for the same thing. Because remember, prodigals come in all shapes and sizes. And it's not always obvious from the outside what's going on on the inside of someone because some of us just are wired to hold it together a little bit longer. But the inside, the problem is the same. While the younger son turned to rebellion, blatant and outward sin, the, younger, the older son turned to religion, striving in his own strength. One's life was a mess on the outside. The other's life was a mess on the inside. And the fact is, is that because we're designed to experience joy and fulfillment in our friendship with God alone. Nothing else will ever satisfy that desire. And here's the most important thing to realize when we compare the story of these two brothers. When you contrast what's going on on the outside and the inside of these two, these two young men, the most important thing is for us to understand is there's a little prodigal in every one of us. And the sooner we admit that, the sooner our life will begin to change, which really is, the, is a great segue to the second point that I want to bring to you today. First of all, prodigals come in every shape and size. But secondly, the Father's love is vast and unconditional. This love is first evidenced right at the beginning of the story. Because instead of trying to control and manipulate his son, as soon as that younger son came to him and said, Dad, 
Just give me what is coming to me. I obviously don't matter here. Instead of trying to control and manipulate his son, he realized he had to allow him to go and experience life and to make his own decisions. But he knew, just like we knew, we can tell from the story that, that soon his, his resources would be exhausted from, from wild living and partying and his bad decisions. And, and before long, that's exactly what happened. And he was left empty, broken, filled with pain. Verse 14, it says that when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the country and he began to be impoverished. So he went, he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. And he sent him into the field to feed his swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods the swine were eating when no one was giving him anything. But when he came to his senses and said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And when his life first crashed, when, things, when he came to an end of his resources and his life came crashing down around him, he did what most of us do. The first his response was he tried to fix it on his own. He tried to dig a little deeper and get a job and just make things happen and make the best out of his bad decisions. But one day, he, he was starving to death and living with literal pigs. I know some of you think you live with pigs, but these were literal pigs. And he's, he's, he finds himself starving to death in, in, in just deplorable circumstances. In, in the middle of this, a spark of hope leapt into his soul because he remembered his dad and he knew that his father was a good man and and in that even if his even though he had hurt his dad and he's done some some painful things in their in their departure that maybe just maybe his dad would take him back even if just as a servant and so that was his plan and, and, the, and, and I remember, I don't know about you, but I, I remember the day that I awakened to the fact that I could not save myself, that, that my life was falling apart at the seams and, and there, was, there was no hope other than God's love and mercy. And just like this man, he came to the realization that his only hope was in the love and mercy and unconditional passion of his father. And I remember trembling that day as I, as I squeaked out just all I could muster, a little prayer, God help me. And God love, God's love came. So the young man, he prepared a speech. I know what I'm going to say. And he started that long walk home. And every step of his journey home, he rehearsed the speech over and over. And then one day, as he was walking along the road... In the distance, he saw a dust cloud as he approached his father's home. And as he continued to walk, the dust cloud grew closer. And suddenly he realized that there was a familiar face at the front of this cloud. And and as it became clear, it was almost like a vision. He saw his dad running to him at full speed. Can you imagine what he was thinking? Oh, no. (laughs) What's he going to do? I mean, they did not leave under good terms. You with me? I hope he's not still mad. <laughs> I knew this wasn't a good idea. But as his dad grew closer and his, his outline became clearer, the son noticed tears running through the, 
dust on his father's face. And as his dad arrived and threw his arms around the son, the prodigal collapsed into the arms of extravagant love. The good news is that's exactly how your father feels about you. That's exactly how our heavenly father feels about each one of us. Listen to the story. It says, while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and he felt compassion and he ran and embraced him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the dad wasn't listening. He wasn't looking for terms. He was looking to be restored to his son. And his dad said, said to the slave, bring out the best robe, put it on, and put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, kill the fatted calf, and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The father was waiting for him. The only thing that mattered to him, the thing he'd been in faith for and believing God for, pacing up and down the street, waiting and longing and looking, was for his son to come home. And in this moment, nothing else even mattered to him. So much so that the Bible says that he ran to the son while he was a long way off. That means the dad was out there looking. He was pacing up and down the the street in front of his house every day, believing God, praying, longing, knowing that one day his son would come back to him. And then he saw him in the distance, and he could recognize his outline, though frail and thin from starving, from starvation and from wild living. And and he took off running. And let me just help you out here. When the Bible says that, that, and Jesus describes that the father ran to him, this was a no-no in Middle Eastern culture. Men did not run. It was undignified. It was embarrassing. It was disgraceful. The only thing you ran to was the battle. You didn't run as a display of emotion. It was beneath you as a man. But the father didn't care what people thought. He didn't care how he looked. He didn't care about being disgraced. He didn't care about those things because he saw his son who was lost. And he saw a moment and an opportunity to be restored to him. And to restore his son to their life. That's what God does for us. He longs to be restored in relationship to each one of us. He loves us immeasurably and extravagantly. And this is exactly what Jesus was describing in John. The most famous passage of all of Scripture, probably in John 3, 16, he was describing the extravagant, opulent nature of God's love when it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, the one thing in the universe that was the most precious to him, he gave him. That anybody who would turn to him in faith and believe in him would not perish and be separated from God, but have eternal life with him. That's the kind of love he was describing in this passage and in this story. And that kind of love is almost impossible for us to get our hearts and minds around as human beings. But I remember just a glimpse of it for myself. I I never, even though I was born again, I never really had an idea of what that love looked like until I became a father myself. When our oldest child was born... This is uh, 24 years ago. Uh, she was just a couple of months old, and, and, uh, and one night, just shortly after she was born, I was rocking her to sleep. It was late at night, and she was all swaddled. You know how they wrap them up like a burrito in the little blanket, and they got that baby smell, you know what I mean? There's nothing like baby smell. There's going to be a section of heaven that smells like babies. Come on. You with me? And, uh, and I'm just telling you, and I'm, and I'm rocking that little girl to sleep, and I'm just, just holding her tight against my chest. And suddenly, almost it was as if God pulled the curtains of heaven back. 
And my heart, I thought it was going to explode out of my chest because as my heart just beat against her little chest, I felt such a love that I couldn't explain. She hadn't done anything to deserve it. This little baby hadn't done one thing to earn my love. But I knew in that moment that there was nothing she could ever do that would change how I felt about her. I'm not saying she hasn't tested it. <laughs> but I knew in an instant that, that, that this must be what love feels like. And then all of a sudden, as if rehearsed from heaven, God said, if you, being a fallen and sinful man, can feel that kind of love for a child who hasn't done a thing, imagine how I must feel about you. So much so that I gave the one thing that was the most precious in this world for you. And listen, if you're here today and you're a parent and you're trusting God, and hopefully you're finding yourself all in all the facets of this story, but if you're a parent here and you're believing God for a prodigal child and, that, and it, there's been pain and suffering and hurt in that deal, let me just encourage you. God knows how you feel. I know how you feel. I've been a prodigal. I've got four kids. We've had moments of believing God and standing in faith to see God move in our children's life. But most of all, God, just the, I want to encourage you, don't give up. Pray, believe God, trust him. I was the least likely person to be standing here giving you this message today. But I had parents who loved me and trusted God enough to stand in faith and not give up. And when the opportunity came to have open arms and receive me back with love and acceptance and without judgment and, and, and frustration and disappointment. And that's what God has for you. Stand in faith for those prodigals. Pray for them every day. Find yourself some prayer partners that will join you in praying for them. Because God's not done yet. God's not done yet. The Father's love is vast and unconditional. And here's the last truth, the last thought that I want to share with you about this story. The key to the comeback is all in the turn. The key to the comeback, in your comeback story, in the story of the young man today, it's all about the turn. It was his choice the Bible says in, in verse 17 that he came to his senses. That means that one day he had to realize that this wasn't working. That he had to wake up at some point and he couldn't just gloss over it and try to do better and fix it himself. He had to come to the realization that he was desperately in need of a savior. He was desperately in need of love and mercy when he deserved judgment and and, and, and his comeback, and your comeback, and my comeback begins the moment that we realize that we've got to humble ourselves from God and get up and go home to turn from our sin, to turn from our rebellion or our religion, whichever one we've settled for, turn away from those things and come home to God. It goes on to say in verse 20 that he got up and he went to his father. And listen, in this moment, it wasn't enough for him to just... You know, call his dad or text his dad and say, hey, dad, I'm out of money. I need you to Ven me, Venmo me some more money or Apple Pay or Cash App me some money. Things aren't working out. Because that's the temptation. That's what we want to do. That's so often how we treat God. We get in a mess and we go, hey, uh, God, I'm doing okay. But, man, if you could just help me out for a minute, I, we'll, we'll, I'll be able to work it all out. No. It required that he get up, turn away from his sin, turn away from his rebellion, 
turn away from his religion, turn away from his good works, turn away from whatever he was doing to try to satisfy himself apart from God's perfect love and come home. Maybe you're here today, one of our locations, watching online, and you realize you need to turn. I want to take a minute. I want to show you a short video, and then I'm going to be back to close. But this video really expresses, kind of tells the story of, of what we've been talking about today. So take a minute, watch this, and I'm going to be right back to close. Since we talked, I was, you know, I was kind of hoping you'd answer, but um, you know, I understand that you probably don't want to talk to me. I've just gone so far, and the things I've done, I, I just regret it, you know? And I know how bad I've hurt you and let you down, but, but Dad, I, I miss you. I miss how we drive around and just talk about life. And I just, I just want to come home. But I know you've probably written me off. I can't blame you, actually. Here's, here's, here's the thing. <laughs> it's kind of a shot in the dark, but I'm, uh, I'm coming through town soon and. to see you. I know I can't just show up at the front door like I used to, but but if you want to see me, just hang a small sheet out on the porch. If the sheet isn't there, when I drive by, I'll keep going and, and I'll try not to bother you anymore. I love you, Dad.
the, the younger son felt he had no value, so he ran away. And the older son felt his value was all in his work, so he worked harder. They were both wrong. They were both wrong. And, and whether you're here today and you, you're a Christian, you know, you know you're right with God. You've been born again. You're a son or a daughter of God. You may realize that there's still that little bit of prodigal in you. Don't worry. It's okay. There's still a little bit left in all of us. And whether you identify more with the younger rebellious son or the older uh, religious son, it doesn't matter. I, there are days when I deal with both. Days when I realize that I'm, that I'm trying to earn God's love through my performance. And days when I just really want what I want. And I turn away from God's plan and I, and I, and I wrestle with dying to myself. But the answer is the same. Is, is, is recognizing that the offer of friendship that we have in, in our relationship with God. That, that that dynamic conversation with heaven, that interaction that we get when we receive Christ as our Savior is not just about eternity, but right now. It's the only thing that will satisfy your desires, that fulfill you and bring joy into your heart and life. But you may be here today online. And again, if you're online or maybe one of our other locations, Stay with me for a minute because I, I, there, God's working right now. And I want to encourage you, if, you're, if you don't know God, if you're not sure about your relationship with Christ, if you're not sure that you, if you died today that you'd spend eternity with God because you've been running or hiding, you've been, you've been doing your own thing, trying to fill that void or, or trying to be good enough to get to heaven, I've got great news for you. You don't have to do either. You just have to give up to turn and come home. So what are you turning from today? I'm going to ask our campus pastors to come. Join me on the stage. Pastor Doug, if you'd come here at the Little Creek campus, we're going to give you an opportunity, an opportunity to, to, to just receive prayer and, and ministry, but an opportunity to know Christ, to know what it means to have a relationship with God. And if you're here and within the sound of my voice and you don't know for sure that you're born again, I'm just going to ask, you realize you're, you're running You've been hiding in religion, but today you're ready to come home. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hands wherever you are. Just lift your hand. Let us pray for you today. You're saying, Jesus, I'm ready to come home. If that's you, on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. I see your hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. We want to pray with you and just encourage you right now. And Pastor Doug's going to come. He's going to lead you in a prayer. In fact, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And he'll give you some instructions. God bless you guys. Thank you for letting me spend some time with you this Thank week. Thank you, Pastor Dave. What a great message. Thank you. If you would, stay with me for just a minute. For those of you that made a decision to trust Christ as your Savior today, we want to pray with you as a church family. So church, if you would, just go ahead and bow your heads. I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now. And again, there's, there's nothing necessarily super special about these words unless they become a part of your own heart and the, own, you know, the, the cry of your heart. So let's pray together. I want you to repeat after me. Everybody together now. Say, Jesus, <clears throat> I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, I repent of my sins. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus... 
Wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart. Give me a new life, a new reason to live. Now say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. From this moment on, I belong to you. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would seal the work of your spirit in the heart of each person today. God, let the word of God take deep root in the heart of every brother and sister here today. Thank you for the lives that are changed by faith in you. In Jesus' name. Can we celebrate with those that made a decision for Christ today? Listen, again, if you made a decision for Christ, we'd like to ask you to let us know that you did that. And you can do that a couple of ways. You can text the word CONNECT to 822-822. Or there's a card that's located in the seat back, that same one I mentioned earlier. It says CONNECT on one side, says DECISION on the other. Give us your information and put it in the buckets as you leave today. Thank you, guys. Listen, you guys have a wonderful week. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week. All right, bless you. Wow, what a great message. Thank you so much for joining with us today at church. You know, it really was a great message, Missy. And I just want to remind you guys, if you've never taken part in Next Steps, which is a short series of classes to help you, most importantly, grow in your relationship with God, connect with others, and then really discover how to live out the purpose that God has called you to, we'd love to see you at Next Steps. It's super simple. All you need to do is go to churchoftheking.com slash next steps. You have all the information that you need. You can also register right there. And I hope that we can see you at Next Steps. We'd love for you to join us. You know, every week we say thank you for your continued generosity. We're so thankful for your faithful giving, and we try to make it easy. You can give online through text, the Church of the King app, or by mail. Thank you for being a generous church. Well, it's been great to be at church with you guys today. Have a great week. We can't wait to see you again next week.